and good morning, uh, Vice Mayor Kelman. And this meeting has been held pursuant to section three of executive order N-29-20 issued by Governor Newsom on March 17, 2020. And all members are joining this meeting meeting telephonically through Zoom and it's broadcast live on the city's website. Great, thank you. Um, we'll call the meeting to order. Uh, we do not have the mayor or the um, city manager with us right now. They have another uh, commitment. So uh, I will go ahead and get us started. Um, so let's uh, first start with some public comments on items not on the agenda. Uh, does anybody wish to speak to anything not on the agenda uh, as posted online? Okay, I'm not seeing anybody. Serge, can you confirm that? Um, I don't see any hands up at the moment. Okay, great. Well, thank you to the members of the public who have joined today. Will be more opportunity for public comment as we move forward. So we'll go ahead and get started with the business items. Um, the first item is item C1, the review of the draft comprehensive annual financial report, uh, lovingly referred to as the CAFR for the fiscal year uh, ending June 30th, 2020. So I'll hand it over then to Yulia and her team for the staff report and to help us dig in. Good morning. So let me introduce uh, uh, this item and I just also want to introduce Kristen West from Ed Bailey and uh, Catherine Yen from Mason Associates. So we have the whole full presentation of Kaffer uh, ready to go for you this morning. and. Uh, before I turn it to Kristen to do overview of the financial statement, we I just want to acknowledge that today's meeting is a big, significant milestone for the finance department as we are bringing this coffee report to your review. And before we dive into financials, I just want to start by saying that uh, fiscal year 1920 was a very challenging year for the city in general and uh, especially for finance. Um, I know we've been... There's been a lot of criticism towards finance department, and I have to acknowledge that we are bringing this report uh, to you late. It's about two months late, so I, uh, normally we would want to have this conversation and this discussion in December, because that's uh, what the best practice is to to close the books by December and have Kafra uh, be accepted by Kafra or by, by council um, December or early January, and uh, we are today in March. But I also want to acknowledge that we have been operating with very limited capacity for the whole year um, in finance. Our pre-COVID staff in, in finance department was four, and now we are down to two full-time staff members. And this gap is filled by some part-time temporary help and consulting firms, and you will hear from Kristen. So that's part of the reason I invited um, all the players to the room today, so you, you see firsthand uh, how the operations are run. And uh, yet uh, the workload related to COVID uh, increased, as you can imagine, as we were forced to traditionally move our on-site operations to remote environment in pretty much no time, uh, while still complying with the internal control matters, other compliance, and constantly <laughs> increasing COVID-related operations and requirements. So I want to start by acknowledging the outstanding effort of the finance staff, limited finance staff who worked on this report and probably watching this meeting right now. Um, I want to acknowledge the hard work, dedication and commitment to the city. There have been a lot of late nights and weekends spent on this year in preparation and 
drafting of this report. And I also want to extend my thanks to our partners from Ed Bailey, uh, Kristen and her team, and our auditors team uh, from Mason Associates for bringing us to this point today and uh, working with us through all the staffing and COVID challenges in the extremely aggressive timeline that <laughs> we had in place to bring this report today and being so patient with us uh, when we asked them to book another journal entry or ask for another time <laughs> to review or change uh, the draft. So this was a true teamwork and I really appreciate everyone's efforts. And I think this report represents a great accomplishment and breakthrough in moving the city further down the road in fiscal transparency and accountability. And as you will hear in just a few minutes from Kristen, this is a very positive report overall because it shows that our COVID assumptions made at the mid-year budget review last year were quite a bit conservative and the actual results actually show better results that we anticipated. And with that, I just want to turn it to Kristen West um, to go over a financial overview. Thank you, Yulia. I will go ahead and share my screen for a presentation. Kristen, you're showing your notes, so I don't yeah. know. Trying to get my second screen. How's that? Perfect. Is that better? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. <laughs> uh, as Yulia said, my name is uh, Kristen West. I am a finance consultant with Ide Bailey. I've had a relationship with the city going on three years now. The scope of my service agreement is to assist the city in their uh, providing guidance and support through the year-end close and the audit preparation and financial statement preparation process. Um, so I'm here today to uh, present the results of the CAFR. So we'll go ahead and get started. My word. First, we'll start with some highlights, some overall highlights of the, uh, the CAFR, uh, the government-wide assets which are the citywide assets exceeded liabilities by $2.9 million. We refer to this as net position or what most people will refer to as the equity. Uh, this is a decrease of $1.2 million or 4.1% over the prior fiscal year. Citywide revenues, um, oh, sorry. I'd like to speak a little bit to the decrease in the government-wide net position as primarily due to a decrease in the current assets uh, 
so that would be cash and accounts receivable related to um, a decrease in revenue, but also an increase in expenses. Uh, these are going to be related to the pandemic, as well as an increase in the overall pension liability and the results of the accounting of the Tidelands Fund um, related to the bulkhead replacement project and the lease agreement that's in place with the uh, Sausalito Yacht Harbor. And so the, those were the major players in the reduction to uh, the overall city's net position. Um, so speaking to that, uh, citywide revenues were uh, 2.56 million, which was a decrease of uh, 1.5 million, um, as well as the decrease, or I'm sorry, the increase in expenses at 26.8 million, which was an increase of $3 million over the prior year. The total government, governmental fund balances were 15.1 million, which also saw a decrease of 1.4 million. Um, governmental funds are related to um, the governmental activities. The general fund balance was 11.7 million, which saw a decrease of just shy of a million dollars, which um, was primarily due to a decrease in uh, 3% decrease in taxes. Uh, so those are going to be related to uh, overall TOT taxes, which fell about $550,000, um, which is a 29.5% decrease over the prior year. So that's a major reflection of the results of the pandemic. I think we were all sort of expecting that though. <laughs> um, there were general fund expenditures totaled 16.7, which saw an increase of 1.8 million over the prior fiscal year. Uh, the two areas that saw the greatest in increase are gonna be related to the general government function. Uh, so that's uh, due to increases in departmental costs due to the uh, professional services and technology costs related to the use of consultants because of the pandemic, as well as the implementation of the paycheck payroll software as well. Uh, the second largest expense increase for the general fund was parks and recreation. And this was simply just for reclassification of the landscaping department under that function classification. So no major expense uh, transaction or activity change, just a reclassification of that department on the financial statements. The city's assigned and unassigned fund balance. Um, of uh, 6.8 million amounts to about 40.6 of expenditures, which is well over the city's 15% minimum uh, policy. Okay, moving on to the sections of the CAPR. As you read through the CAPR, you can see it organized into these major sections, the introductory section. This is where you're gonna find the transmittal letter, the MDNA. The MDNA is gonna show you uh, sort of like a summary or highlights, financial highlights of what you're about to read in the financial data. Then it moves into the financial statements. Um, that's where all the, you know, uh, more detailed information is provided. Then we have a supplementary section where there's some um, additional useful calculations and then statistical, which provides demographic statistics for the city.
the first statements that you'll come across in the financial statements are referred to as the government-wide financial statements. These include the statement of net position and the statement of activities. Um, most people may uh, recognize the name balance sheet or income statement. So this is the government's, <laughs> government's terminology for both of those statements. Um, within that, they're broken down by activities. So there's two types of activity in government. We have governmental activities, which are the functions of the city that are um, primarily supported by general or special purpose revenues. And then we have business type activities, which operate sort of as an enterprise. So they're gonna charge for services and be sort of self-sustaining. Self so sewer fund, MLK fund, those types of funds. This is the statement of net position or otherwise may be <laughs> related to as the balance sheet. Um, you're gonna see presented here and in, in, in the financial statements that we put side to side for you uh, the prior year and current year. So you can see those changes. Um, goes into a little bit more detail into the MDNA, but I had provided the highlights in the opening statement. Um, you can see that there is a decrease in our, in our cash balances here. Um, as well as an, an increase in our liabilities as um, we also see an, um, a decrease in our over, overall net position um, before. Statement of activities, um, maybe more Hope, <laughs> helpful to, to refer to as an income statement. Um, we have uh, presented here our, our revenues by program revenues and general revenues um, and our expenses and overall a change in net position, which is gonna be our net effect on, on our fund balances. Um, so as mentioned before, we're gonna see major decreases in our, our revenues as well as increases in those general government and, and parks and rec um, related expenses. Overall uh, net change, the pet, um, overall change to net position is going to be $1.2 million for resulting in $29 million in net position this year. Kristen, can I ask you just real quick? Um, so when you started off the, the slide deck um, mentioning that there was a reduction in net position and you mentioned there was an increase in expenses and an increase in pension liability that impacted that. I think that was your first slide. Where yeah. in the CAFR um, would we find more information about the expenses specifically? Is there a, a separate section that will dig into the detail that will underscore and explain how it impacts the statement of net position and why we had an increase in expenses? It will because the governmental funds will roll up uh, at, into the governmental activities on what you're seeing here as the statement of net positions is grouped by governmental activities and business type. So this is gonna include a roll up of like your general fund and all of your governmental funds. Um, and your business type is gonna be a roll up of all of your enterprise funds, your proprietary funds. So MLK and sewers, sort of like the net result of those, if you will. Yep. Um, so as you move through the financial statements, this, it starts off as, as high level citywide. Um, as you move through the statements, they're gonna get a little bit more granular as you move through it. So you'll see what makes up government, governmental activities. Uh, you'll move into the, the governmental funds and then you'll break down the governmental funds by general fund, Tidelands fund, other uh, non-major funds. Um, yes. And I just wanted to add, uh, as far as pension liability concerned, you will see in-depth detail in note eight of the financial statement. So you will see 
all the details what and how the liability increased. Absolutely. And then Kristen, um, does the does the CAFR uh, kind of issue a summary around not just you know here are the numbers draw your conclusions but a, a sort of a statement of of the impact so I know one of your first slides and also in the staff report it said that um a negative unrestricted net position of 21.9 million dollars would limit obligations to citizens and creditors I take a negative unrestricted net position of that amount of money to be a very bad fiscal result um, because it will meaningfully constrain city spending and investment how is that captured in the CAFR I, there goes into a, a little bit more explanation in the management discussion and analysis as, as to the economic effect of the results of the financial statement. So there's going to be a great place for you to, to find where management kind of discusses the, the effects of the activities for the year and what they have on um, sort of the overall effect to, to the city and the organization. Uh, Yulia, did you have anything you'd like to supplement in that respect? Uh, yes, uh, so absolutely. So the, we we provided some additional explanation in management discussion and analysis. And please keep in mind that we are talking about multi-year liabilities for the city. So that's not really, uh, well, per se, fiscal results of the year. So the what what contributes to this negative uh, position is well, pension liability is one piece of it, but also. Tidelands uh, fund accounting. So that's another big piece. And again, the, we are talking about 40 year term uh, for the city. So okay. as far as financial financial results for the current fiscal year, we, well, this is actually a very positive report. And again, we will go in, into this in details and you will see it in the report. Okay, sorry, and one, one last question. I, I saw um, uh, you guys made some updates uh, as, of, as of yesterday. And I think there was a, um, an adjusting entry affecting the property tax revenues. Um, out of curiosity, Kristen, what triggered your discovery of that? Um, just in going through the, the preparation of the financial statements, we did a granular review and, and noticed um, just a discrepancy after going through looking at the auditors, we uh, decided there was an adjustment that needed to be made. Yulia, did you want to speak to that? Anymore? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a simple clerical error that was made earlier in the year when we we were well, most affected by the most senior staff members uh, left uh, the city for retirement, and uh, the one of the temp uh, workers reclassed the property tax inappropriately, putting some of this uh, portion of the tax that we received in the sewer fund. And uh, as we were reviewing the, the final CAFTA draft, so the numbers mm -hmm. didn't look right to me, so I started digging and found, found the discrepancy. So there is no material change, it's just the reallocation between the funds, which we fixed by now. No, that's, that's great to know. So is it fair to assume that Mays and Associates does a granular comparison of the CAFR uh, with Kristen's team uh, for all funds and, and sort of statement of, of net position for each of the buckets so that we have sort of a cross check or was that just you happen to catch it? Well, that was a city error. So we provided the incorrect information to the maze in this particular case. And we just cut it a little bit too, well, uh, too late in the process. Okay, thank you. No problem. Uh, so I believe we've touched on that position and we finished up activities. Um, so as you had uh, teed us up for moving into the fund financial statements. So this is where it gets a, a little bit more granular. Um, so the fund financial statements are gonna be those detailed financial statements. Um, and 
it's a grouping of related accounts that is used to maintain control over resources, um, which is which is what a fund is. And the city uses fund accounting to ensure and demonstrate compliance with governmental finance related legal requirements. Um, there's two types of categories, governmental funds and proprietary funds. So as I explained before, uh, governmental funds are going to be primarily um, supported by either general purpose or special special purpose revenue. Uh, and those proprietary funds are going to be enterprise in nature. They're, they're going to charge for services and support themselves sort of like a, like a business would. So here is a snapshot of the governmental fund statement of revenue and expenditures and um, net effective fund balance. Uh, you'll see there, there's a overall decrease in revenues and an increase in expenses as we've been uh, sort of mentioning throughout. Um, so you can see that effect at the more detailed level on the governmental funds. Uh, so we see a decrease of 4.3% in revenues and an increase of nearly 10% expenses. Uh, you can see that effect flow down um, uh, through the changes in the fund balance and how that affects equity. Um, so we have a, a net change of 1.4 million on fund balance. The different uh, classifications of fund balance are non-spendable, restricted, committed, assigned, and unassigned. Um, and then those elements related to the major governmental funds are reported there as well, um, summarized for you. Uh, so general fund reporting at 11.7 million, Thailand's at that negative 2.5 that we've been mentioning. Um, general capital improvements is 4.1 million and just other non-major governmental funds are coming in at 1.8. For an overall fund balance of 15.1 million for governmental funds. So this is a detailed look at the revenues, expenses and uh, changes in uh, fund balance. Um, going to provide details here related to uh, all the different tax and revenue elements and the expenditures by function. Um, so you can see major changes in the areas of our um, other taxes, which includes our TOT taxes classified as other tax. Uh, that area of the financial statement is going to show a reduction of 22.8%. Um, that was, as I mentioned before, related to TO, the 29.5% reduction in TOT is a major player there. Um, we see a big increase, um, which is nice to see <laughs> in the licenses and permits. This is going to be the results of uh, the newly implemented business license tax. So uh, that, that's been great to see come in at a, at a positive uh, increase. Um, and then we also see decreases in other areas, fines and forfeitures, which is um, and charges for services. Kristen, uh, two questions on this slide. Uh, one is about property tax. Um, can you detail or show us uh, a detail of the secured and unsecured property taxes um, and plus any homeowners exemptions so that we can match them to what we're paying for our fire services? In this presentation? In the CAPR? <laughs> Somewhere in the CAPR? In the CAPR? Um, I don't know that it breaks down that granular, but um, we do have some supplementary schedules that supplement the CAFR that we could provide, um, as well as any reports out of the financial uh, software. Uh, we do track our revenues at that granular level, so we could provide that, yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I just want to put a, a flag on that, that we would, I think we would be uh, well served to receive a report of the secured and unsecured property taxes 
um, with any homeowners exemptions. And I think that will help us on our, our fire uh, inquiry. Um, second question yeah. is, oh, I'm sorry, did you have something to add? No, I just, anytime you need anything, please reach out to finance, yes. Great, yeah. Um, and then the other one is on the Thailand. So I know you mentioned generally, um, and then the, that major shift over $2 million. Can you go into a little bit more detail about the Thailand's fund, um, what the, the expenses associated, why that happened in the last fiscal year? Um, really just sort of drill down into that for us? Yeah, sure. So the Thailand's fund actually is carried by an unearned revenue. So an unearned revenue is essentially a liability. So what that says is that they have received uh, an influx of cash or revenue for services that haven't been provided yet, right? So in the lease agreement with for the bulkhead project, there was an arrangement made with the Sausalito Yacht Club that they would incur the capital project costs in, in turn for a, a reduction in rental payments over time. So there is this um, prepayment, if you will, of, of cash received that the city has to then like sort of expense over time or, or, or recognize as revenue over time, excuse me. And so because of that, we have to hold this liability and we don't get, we don't get to see the overall revenue ex effects on our fund balance year to year. We, we just get these small elements of it. So um, there's been talks with uh, auditors and Yulia about uh, revisiting that agreement and, and trying to determine if, if there is also another element that needs to be reported related to the agreement to offset that liability um, because there are future rent revenues um, that are due from um, from the Yacht Club that we believe should be on the books as well. So we are gonna be working uh, more closely with our auditors to determine if there's a better accounting practice that we should be following uh, that would explain that negative fund balance. Um, Julia, did you have anything to add or did I? No, you pretty did much I do covered it. I just want okay. to refer to note <laughs> seven in the uh, coffer document just for additional information and uh, additional explanation of the accounting. So I had a follow. I have got a follow up on that. Hi, and sorry I was late. We were uh, Marsha and I were at a different meeting. <laughs> um, so I have a follow up question on the Tidelands Fund. So are you saying that the the total of the the um, drop in revenue from Tidelands Fund and is it true that the Tidelands Fund is now empty? It's carrying a, a negative fund balance, and that's due to this uh, carrying of a liability. Um, so we received an up, upfront payment that we can't recognize as revenue in the year that we receive it. We sort of have to like amortize it, if you will. Um, and so because of that, um, that the carrying of that liability, it's resulting in a, in a negative fund balance. But if, um, I recall, if I recall, the Thailand's fund isn't just made up of the Sausalito Yacht Club rent. There are other streams of revenue that go into the Thailand's funds that are earmarked for waterfront. So. Absolutely. We're, what we're saying is the effect of this agreement and the accounting of this lease agreement specifically is having a major effect on the negative fund balance. So there, there is certainly other activity that, that is going on in Thailand's as well. So Kristen, would you recommend then that we uh, have a future agenda item where we dig into the Thailand <laughs> specifically, the associated yeah. leases? I think you mean the also Yacht Harbor. Um, you're referring to the um, Yacht oh, did I Oh, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, Yacht Harbor. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I have made the recommendation. I want to say in year one or two of my my agreement with the city when I when I came on, and uh, we had actually made a major adjustment already to um, 
it was actually much farther negative a couple of years ago. Yeah, the so, multi-thousand dollar adjustment in the last copper and the copper before that. Yeah, so we've caught it up a lot. There's just other elements to the agreement that we believe could be offsetting um, the liability that we need to work more closely with our auditors, as I mentioned before. So yes, that is the recommendation and has been accepted by Yulia and is actually one of our highest priorities this year. Can we go, sorry, since we're on Thailand's, can we go back one slide where it really lists out the Thailand's fund? Because I, because it's year over year. So you're saying from one year to the next, if I'm looking at the, is that Thailand's isn't on this slide. So I, Thai, I need to, I guess. Thailand's fund is um, the major governmental fund at the bottom here showing a negative 2.5 million. Oh, in yeah, okay, sorry, thank you. That's okay. So that's a negative. Okay, so it was showing a negative in, 2019 as well but yeah but absent that Sausalito Yacht Harbor what is can you tell us what the balance is in the Thailand's fund because I know that we've 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 used funds from the Thailand's funds for various things I'm not sure I, I understand yeah yeah I, I I think I understand the questions so I think it's probably best to present this at the budget level so when we if you remember when we um when we report all the fund balances um, to to you as part of the budget presentation, we'll separate this long-term liability, and you will see the activity level for the year uh, without it. So okay. I, I, I yeah, think I, I see what, what what you want to see. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and you're saying so that the negative the negative amount declined, so it was a net increase, is what you're saying, Kristen, right? Uh, correct. And, and that's why we were struggling with the accounting too, because you, you're absolutely correct. The fund is being used on the every well, year to year, and yet we're recording this multi-year liability that's, well, at least confusing, if not. It is. <laughs> there must yeah. be it makes financial yeah. It makes it difficult to report, you know, and mm -hmm. so case in point, this discussion today. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and Kristen, you, you use the language that um, there are other elements to the agreement that can offset the liability. Um, I don't really know what that means um, other than sort of conceptually. So whatever staff report we get in the future, I would love that to be articulated with examples so that we can all uh, be on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and then could we just go back real quick to the secured and unsecured property tax uh, sure. question? Um, so do we have that level of detail in our system or, so do, or do we have to get it from you? No, on the accounting system is is the best place to get it because uh, I use that information to then um, help the city and the auditors prepare the financial statement. So we're using the raw data right out of the system. That's that's your first first step is just go right there. You'll be able to get exactly what you need because uh, we are tracking revenues at that level, secured, unsecured, unsecured uh, homeowner's property, tax exemptions, and and all of those things. So awesome. That's yeah. so good to know. Yeah. So Yuli, if we can get a, a, a report on that. Um, Sure. That would really, I think, help the Southern Marin Fire conversation, at least for us internally and in understanding. Okay. Okay. Jill, did you have more questions? Yeah. Any? I'm sure I will. <laughs> no, that's fine. I I get it. Um, I was just wondering how we were using Thailand's funds when it was two million down. I mean, that's you know. I, yeah. Yeah, the fund balance is a hard one because it, it's, you know, is this how much cash I have on hand or like why, how am I still able to run operations if I have negative, you know, a checking account? Like it's hard to, uh, so yeah, I agree with Yulia, uh, it'd be helpful to look at it at the budget, at the 
period level in the budget. Um, okay, so uh, just to summarize our uh, the activity for the year and what we've kind of went over in our governmental funds, uh, we said that we had a citywide net position decrease by about 1.4 million, which was 4.1%. Our general fund revenues are decreasing a uh, about a half a million and our expenses are, are also de decreasing um, or increasing, I'm sorry. Uh, this is primarily due to um, the results of, you know, activities around the city related to, um, you know, just normal courses of business, uh, reductions in, in TOT taxes and those types of things. Um, and the general fund balance was coming in at 11.7 million, which is down 6.7 over, over the prior year. It's still healthy. We're still able to call it a healthy fund balance. So, you know, we're seeing decreases and, you know, we're, we're hearing decrease a lot in this presentation, but, you know, the general fund fund balance is still healthy. Um, you know, we're still able to cover a major portion of expenditures um, uh, for liquid reserves. So. No, no reason to pull any fire alarms. <laughs> your, your report says that 6.8 million of the general fund is unassigned. Can you drill down into that a little bit? Why is it unassigned? What are the recommendations? Um, and is this actual, is this cash reserves? Is this money in the bank? What's, what do we have? Um, I believe that there were changes to the unassigned fund balance this year. Um, Julia, are you still on? Can you speak to that? Or Catherine, are they still here? Uh, yes, sorry, I okay. my internet connection is really terrible this morning for some reason. I got kicked out <laughs> earlier. But um, as far as policy concerned for the general fund balance, uh, the council set aside um, budget stabilization and budget shortfall policies. So combined, it's uh, uh, well ten and fifteen and five percent. So combined, mm -hmm. it's fifteen percent. Uh, uh, set aside money for well economic fluctuations or rainy day per se. And uh, what uh, Kristen has on the slide here, so in addition to, oh, yeah, you can see the, you can see the difference on the signed level. So 708 uh, going all the way to 2.5 million because we, this year we combined the entire 15% and set it aside uh, here on the policy designation of the council. So one thing that I haven't been able to reconcile is the, the $5 million from the, the COPS or the Certificates of Participation. We haven't, um, we haven't spent it and it's sitting in an account earning, I don't know, almost 0.03% interest or something. How come that isn't reflected in the general fund uh, monies? Uh, COPs are, they, they are uh, a governmental fund designation. I believe, depending, I think one of them is a sewer and then another one is parks. I believe they'd be under business type if I'm uh, uh, remembering that correctly. Um, but those cash, ca cash is cash, whether it sits with fiscal agent or if it sits in the city's checking account. So that, that effect on fund balance is gonna be the same. Maybe I'm not understanding the question. So we have $5 million, cash is cash. Yeah. Okay, where do we see that reflected? And why is it not in the general fund? Um, so it's not in the general fund because it supports a business type activity. Uh, so we're going to the, CO, the COPs related to MLK parks uh, is gonna be in the MLK fund, which is a business, active, business type activity fund. And then we have a sewer revenue bond. Um, so that, that's gonna be uh, also a business type activity. And is, do you have a slide that shows the business activity slide? 
Um, yeah, so we can go back to business type in cash balances, business type, $6.3 million. So it's going to be a part of this uh, current and other as very first line item here for 2020 under business type activities, $6.3 million in cash. It's going to make up that balance, part of that balance. And, and you think five, 5 million of that 6.3 is the, is the COP money? Um, I don't know the exact figure off offhand of how much it is. It is. Let's let's just say. Is it? Yeah. yeah. It, that's where it sits. It would be classified as cash. That's correct. Um, okay. Because it's 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 cash sitting with a fiscal agent. Cash sitting with a fiscal agent. Okay. So if we called that money, where would it go? Uh, we would just do a drawdown and go right to a city's uh, bank account. Exactly. Yeah. There's no uh, limitations precluding us from doing that. Uh, it's it's highly liquid. It's it's available. We just have to make a, a transfer. Well, before we do the transfer, we need to do a reconciliation, and that's why it's becoming a yes. special project right now because we need to go back all the way to 2015 when the last drawdown <laughs> happened. Yes, and uh, and reconcile these accounts. So, Kristen, though, um, if it's cash sitting with a fiscal agent and there's no limitations if it's called, doesn't that increase the general fund? not the general fund no because it's cash on hand and you're no. saying it's the not cash is, it's in a different bucket it's not in the general fund okay and we've never called that money does anybody know uh, we have over time yeah there was just a period of time and a change in personnel where we we saw those that it had ceased okay so then i here's here's why we're, we're asking is because in a prior meeting um we we've paid contractors for works on the park yes. and we're trying to figure out where did that money come from to pay the contractors if we didn't use the five million dollars that's sitting in the account so how can we track that um it is being tracked but how, so, how do we how do we me and Jill, how do we track it how do where do we see where those numbers where, where it came from i think that's the reconciliation that? process that we need to go through so um you know to better answer the, what that process might look like uh, is one that we're actually going to get started on tomorrow. So I have an associate um, that uh, I've brought on board and he's going to be reconciling the capital project expenditures uh, from project inception and, and when those uh, bond revenues were received and kind of tracking the cash uh, activity from the drawdowns that already occurred to come up with sort of a reconciliation of what drawdowns we need to catch up over historical years. I believe the last drawdown was in 2017 and um, what project costs need to be captured going forward, as well as developing a procedure for a newly hired finance manager to follow. I think they're, you know, I, I can only speculate, but it looked like it just wasn't on anyone's radar. Um, so I, I not only want to catch it up, but I obviously, I, you know, I don't I want to mitigate it from happening going forward. So we'd like to turn over um, a procedure as well. Sure. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what was the source of the funds used to pay the contractors. Uh, presently, it would have been city cash. Okay, so, so that would be, that's general fund. That's capital improvement fund. Capital okay. improvement fund. Thank you. No problem. So, so then when that's reconciled, does that money go back into the capital improvement fund from the, the COP fund or whatever it's called? It would replenish those uh, expenditures. Yes, it would. 
Okay, great. That's very, very, very helpful. Thank you. No problem. Um, so, I, sorry, I keep, I'm obviously harping on the, the Southern fire and our fire costs. Um, so we talked a little bit about getting that report from Yulia about the secured, unsecured property yeah. tax, the homeowners exemption, exemptions. Um, there was a, a, something in the CAFR about um, there's no deficiencies. Um, so, but I was surprised that given our issues with Southern fire, that, that there isn't some acknowledgement or even a recommendation that the cost of fire protection be included in all budgets and financial reports going forward. Do you have an opinion on that, given sort of the tracking game we've been playing the last couple of months? I, I don't think I'm really equipped to answer that question. I, I don't know enough about it. Um, Yulia, do you have anything to add? Oh, and I apologize, I didn't book you in, Kristen. We've been discussing it for a few meetings already at the finance level, finance committee level. We did discuss that uh, since the Southern Marine Fire is a separate entity. We can't really merge the accounting or, or go deep. Well, it would be outside of the CAFA scope to, uh, to include this kind of analysis. But mm -hmm. the analysis can certainly be done outside of CAFA. And that's what we've been discussing with the, with the committee before. And that's, that, that's the work that is still in progress. I see. Right, so but the money's come in from our property taxes. They go to the county, doesn't hit our books county distributes the money, but we don't have a record in our system of, of tracking that money, even though it's coming from our property tax and therefore we're recording less property tax than we would if we in fact either took the money in and made the distribution ourselves or we didn't have that deal. And so as a taxpayer and a homeowner, it seems like I would want to know in our city's finances how that money is being dispersed and know that the city has a record of that as well. We're not just relying on the county. So I was hoping there would be a recommendation in the CAFR of how to remedy that moving forward. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Good one, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the goal of the financial statements is to, re to report on the financial activities for the year. So um, with, with, you know, Southern Marin Financial or Fire Protection District not being a part of, of the agency, it, it just wouldn't be included. But I understand their property tax is an element of the activity at the city. Um, so I agree, maybe some additional analysis and maybe reporting outside of CAFR would, would be helpful. Um, there, are other, there are other property tax and sales tax analytics that are available to the city um, that Yuli has access to as well. Um, and I think Kristen, that, that's where we stand with this. We're still in the, uh, uh, Vice Mayor, we're still in the investigatory uh, position where we're seeking information from the county. The end result uh, seems to, could potentially be where you've landed this, but uh, we're still seeking information and looking for uh, exactly uh, how the pieces fit together. Uh, that's different than what we've asked for in the CAFR. I agree with Ms. West that uh, we have other tools that can do what you're asking us to do. We've got another step here and there's still the outstanding request from the Finance Committee at your last meeting to have the Assistant City Manager and our consultant Charlie Francis talk to Marin County Finance Director about the numbers that we've long requested and not received. Once we get those, and we hope again that that should be soon, or get an answer, uh, then we can do exactly what you're requesting. Um, not that it would um, be appended to or in any way hold up this report, uh, but it's a different different procedure, different step that we could follow if we decide to go down that path. Let's, in my recommendation. 
let's wait and see what the results are. I know it's taken longer than you desired, uh, but we need the data one way or the other. Either it's not available for whatever reason, or here it is, city requesting it. If, if I may add to you, um, to be included on into the CAFR, the uh, Governmental Accounting Standard Board do have requirements of, you know, it has to meet a certain requirement in order to be included in the city's financial statements. One being the, the city's council has a um, majority control of um, uh, the other entities board, or if the city is uh, doing bookkeeping services. That's true. Entity. So, um, so then we have this whole flowchart to go through. Um, without fulfilling those requirements, we cannot, or the city cannot put an other entity's accounting into the financial statement. Got it. Okay. And to my understanding, just uh, uh, if we're talking about the financial statements and the type that we're using in our reporting, um, you guys obviously know way more about this than I do. I'm just coming at it from a resident's perspective. I pay property taxes. It's going somewhere. I want to know. How do I find out, right? Um, my understanding is that CAFR is not required in the state of California. Is that right? Before we get into answering that, Vice Mayor, I've just been sent an alert that the streaming uh, has has ceased. Mm. Heidi, Serge? Heidi, Serge? Um, Marsha, we'll look into it right now. And then and let's take let's take a two-second break, and then some of these questions and answers are really good for the public. I don't want them to think we went somewhere when, in fact, we're still working. Yeah, I'm, I'm being told it's still working for members of the public, but okay. Okay, it's back up according to my sources. Go for it. Thank you. So you'd asked a really good question, Vice Mayor. Thanks for the interruption. Yeah, yeah. So I, what I'm trying to understand um, it's from, from Catherine and then from, from Kristen, or really anybody who wants to answer it, is uh, so CAFR is not legally required in the state of California. And what I'm hearing is that there are restrictions about what information you could provide in the CAFR. Um, but we also have this really important issue in, in Sausalito. I'm sure there are others. What is a CAFR the best tool then for Sausalito? And if the answer, it could be a yes and, um, are there other reports that we should be doing um, either instead or in addition to so that we can legally capture this additional information, which is of grave concern to our residents? I mean, a, a CAFR may not be legally required by the state of California, but the, the purpose of the financial statements is to provide useful information to the users of the financial statements. So we have creditors, we have investors, um, bond issuers, we have other entities that rely on this information um, that uh, would preclude us from just eliminating it in general. Um, I would say, to answer your question, I think maybe some additional reporting, if you're looking for more transparency, maybe some more, more information, there's other reporting tools that we can, we can get creative with in finance departments, we see it in other agencies. It's really um, just, just up to sort of what you wanna see and how you wanna see it. Um, from a yeah, I'm just curious, cause Mill Valley, um, San Anselmo, Hillsburg, et cetera, they don't issue a CAFR. Um, they ha they use other reports, so why do you know? And we have a 150 page CAFR, and others have 50 page CAFRs. So I'm just trying to understand: are we arming yeah, so our a, a CAFR and a financial statement are two different things. So a comprehensive annual financial report includes elements that are or recommended as best practice by an agency called the uh, Government Financiers Office 
Finance Officers Association. So they put together a best practice on here's what um, the comprehensive annual financial report should look like, and it includes economic elements and this, all this supplementary information, the transmittal letter, and and the financial statements are purely just the financial statements and notes. I mean, there, there's no other <laughs> there's no other bells and whistles to it. So a capper may not be required, but a financial statement um, is going to be a real stripped down version of that. So you're absolutely right. Okay. And if I may add to this, so from staff perspective, we definitely want to comply with the highest standards and uh, make sure that we provide constituents all the uh, tools for transparency standpoint. And uh, CAFRA is definitely a best practice. Uh, so Kristen said, uh, said uh, defined by GFOA and the city has been recipient of the GFOA CAFRA award in the past. So we, we certainly want to continue complying with the highest standards that um, kind of set for the government entities and that's the reason why we are producing coffee report no, th thank you i'm just trying to figure out what the, just the best reporting bucket of bundle right um but i won't belabor that because i do have since you have this up i do have a couple of pension and opeb questions um so the first one if, if the first one is that i know the city is required um i think is required to have actuaries review our opeb liabilities every three years do we have an updated opeb valuation report we do. Okay, is that available on the city's website? I, I haven't seen it. It's. I don't believe it's made available, but um, I think a public records requests could yeah. be made or or uh, inquiry with with the department could be made. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, we have we have a report. We, it's yeah. available, and uh, uh, if uh, if finance committee wants to have a copy of this, we can definitely do totally. it. And at the last meeting when we uh, when Charles Francis. Uh, went over the OPAB and pension liability, that report was used for the data. Oh, good. For okay. the OPAB data. Um, okay. Well, then on that same section, Yule, in the staff report about OPEB and, and pension, there you make a distinction between actuarial estimates and liabilities due and payable. Um, I don't fully understand that distinction. My understanding is that the estimated present value of the debt is different than the payment schedule for that debt. Can one of you maybe explain that a little bit more? Mm. Kristen, do you want to? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I should have said you my questions before. It's such a fun one. Um, okay, why <laughs> don't you? Want, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, Catherine might even want to jump in here and, uh, and uh, as well. Um, but can you just restate your question one more time? So, so the staff report makes a distinction between, this is just the language from the staff report, actuarial estimates and liabilities due and payable immediately. So. Oh. I thought to myself, well, what's the difference between an actual estimate and a liability that's due and payable immediately? Because my understanding is that the estimated present value of the debt is different than the payment schedule for that debt. Yes. So the, the debt is made up of um, these actuarially determined amounts. So they're going to look forward and do financial projections based on the information that's available. Let's not forget that they're using um, the, the information that they're using, that they're measuring uh, based on the valuation date is two years old. So they're making assumptions based on the information available at that time. And so that information they're, they're using in their actuarial um, valuation to say, here's what we think investment earnings is gonna be, here's what we think the, the effects of you know, 
mortality and uh, life expectant, you know, just people entering the system, people leaving the system, all different types of elements. So the net effect of those is um, actually actuarially determined and every year they're reviewed for what actually happens. We have this difference between what was expected to happen and what actually happened. And the net effect of those, it's what's um, seeing reflected in your liability. But the swings are very volatile because of this, this, this projection. So what they allow us to do is in some cases like a 3.8 to five year amortization of those effects. So there's a tiered elements to these what is referred to as deferred inflows and outflows, which is essentially the swings and the effects of the assumptions being amortized and then uh, recognized in the liability year to year. So the, it sort of softens the blow, if you will. So if we were to do, <laughs> if we were to say, here's what our projection is, here's what our actual is, and see the annual result of that in our liability, we'd we wouldn't even be able to, to carry these liabilities on our books. I mean, that that's, I mean, the liabilities would just swing. They would be so volatile year to year. Um, so yeah. that, that, that's what Gabby's, Gabby's allowed us to do is, is sort of soften that blow in those swings from year to year. So it's not as simple as saying, here's my liability today. It's $25 million. Oh, look, I have $25 million in my investment account. I'm going to write a check and it goes away. <laughs> Every year, there's going to be this revaluation of what actually happened. Um, and, and, and like I said, the swings are going to be so volatile. So yeah, to be, that's to be honest, the best explanation I can give in a short amount well, of time. No, it's great because I, I maybe wouldn't have caught it um, if it wasn't in the OPEB pension section um, because we looked at that at the last finance meeting. And so for pensions, it looks like the actual uh, estimates are based on a very optimistic assumption, i.e. that CalPERS can achieve its investment target rate of return. But, but we have this June 2018 report from our pension consultants, uh, Bartle and Associates, that, that says a more realistic estimate of the pension debt will be $38 million. Um, and maybe even today, that's closer to, to $40 million. So I'm trying to understand how that fits in um, within this dramatic swing that you mentioned. As, as professionals, we have to rely on, on, on those third-party valuations. Um, so my opinion or my recommendation for what would, I, is, is really, I don't, I don't think useful. Um, in the, in this respect, um, <laughs> because yes, this is what's being, you know, this is what's being provided to us. You know, I, I, I think that we all have an opinion on how it's being calculated or maybe how, how CalPERS is, you know, conducting their valuations. Um, but, you know, we have to base, uh, you know, uh, the recognition of our liability based on, on those assumptions. So um, that's what's been provided to us. Okay. Um, I only have one more question. Um, this is a, a cash management question. So I think I read that the city is sitting on $18 million of unrestricted cash. Um, is there any recommendation or comment on how much cash buffer the city should carry? Uh, there is a GFOA best practice on cash reserves. Uh, we, you know, Yuli and I work together a couple times a year on, uh, especially at mid-year on, you know, what those cash balances are and if the city's in good standing for you know meeting those reserve requirements based on best practice i think at present moment there's not an official policy but an absence of a policy we want to adopt those best practices and um i i think from the last 
if I remember correctly, the last analysis that we did that the city was in compliance with the best practice, um, if you will. Um, but without any analysis or anything in front of me, I, it's hard for me to make an opinion. Uh, what is the best practice? What is the, what is the policy under GFOA? Um, it, it says some rate of expenses be held um, in reserve to cover immediate operations in the event of, you know, not being able to meet operations. So um, I think it's something dependent on your highest net revenues. So if your highest net revenues are property tax and sales tax, and you're only getting those quarterly, then you want to make sure that you have at least like two quarters on, on hand. Or if you're a small district and you do monthly sewer billing and, you know, maybe you should keep six months of, of you know, operating expenses on hand to cover operations. So it, it just fluctuates depending on the organization and their, and their goals and objectives. Um, and I think with the city, uh, I, I can't say offhand, I can't remember what it is, but I think we elected um, two operating cycles. Yeah. Julia, do you remember? Yeah, two, two cycles to pass the reserves. Uh, but I think the question at hand is that we have too much cash, <laughs> not not enough in this particular case. And you may remember last year we, we made some additional changes to the investment policy that allows us to to do additional investments with the specifically with the county pool in addition to LEAF. Yet, well, I just want to remind that investment policy has certain restrictions that we have to comply with. So, is an operating uh, cycle a quarter? So two times operating cycles is two quarters? I think that's what we determined, right? No, I think it, or, was, it was two months of- uh, I, I see Catherine leaning forward. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if she has something there. Are you, are you talking about the fund balance best practice policy? Is it, are you yes. referring to that? Okay, so GFOA has a um, fund balance best practice policy for the general fund. And um, in general, they say that the um, unrestricted fund balance for the general fund should uh, be about two to three months of uh, the equivalent to two to three months of your uh, either expenditure or revenue, whichever one is more stable. So um, for most of my clients, we look at the expenditures because you have outstanding commitment with your you know, labor unions and stuff. Um, so that's what we usually look at. The reason why they say more stable is if you are a um, entity that has uh, a very fluctuating revenue, let's say that you rely on a lot in sales tax or TOT, then that won't be a good gauge. So that's what we usually look at is two to three months that, um, but it looks like um, you have enough fund balance to cover 49% of your expenditures. Exactly. So every time in the budget, we, we go over the policy as part of the budget presentation and we, we quote this GFO best practice and the city, well, at least during, for my time here, the city always exceeded this requirement. And even now in the coffer, you can see that we set aside 15% and the unassigned fund balance that you see in general fund is in addition to what we set aside. So we factor in all the, uh, all the non-spendable obligations, all the requirements and, and bring you kind of the bottom <laughs> unassigned portion is still exceeding the um, the minimum requirement of GFA. But again, keep in mind, this is minimum, very minimum requirement. So that's policy question of the council, what <laughs> what uh, your comfort zone is. Yeah, that's, and that's a really interesting point, Yulia, and maybe one, like I said, one to bring to the full council um, 
to, to say, this is the best practice. Mm -hmm. This is what the GFOA says. This is what we do specifically. Um, and these are your options, right? Because I'm just doing quick math, but one quarter is what, 5 million? Um, and we have 18 million. And so what is that? What opportunities is that open for us? Um, yeah, we, well, that's a great well, we don't have 18 million. I, maybe you're looking at a different number. Are we uh, talking about general fund, fund balance? I was looking at unrestricted cash. Well, that's different though. So we, we, we were discussing a minimum requirement for the general fund balance right now. Okay, so then, sorry, my apologies. My question was about the unrestricted cash, like five and a half million in the Bank of Marin, 7.5 in LAIF, um, certificates of participation is five. So that's 18 million. Well, some of these funds are restricted and should be should be restricted and should be used as restricted. So we, we discussed earlier in the presentation, once the drawdowns are happening, so the, the, the cash going in the right places. So this is a little bit different discussion than having well, kind of policy discussion of the general fund balance. Got it. Both are great though. Both are super helpful to know and two different, right? So this is the point yeah. being two different sets of numbers Right. Here's how each of them gets implemented and anything that can create clarity around what we have and why and how they're different and why and how they can be spent would be just, I think, really helpful for the full council. And okay. if, if, I, if I may also um, add, since we're, we're talking about um, pension, or we were talking about pension and OPEP, I want to uh, um, kind of provide my observation of um, um, the question that Vice Mayor had asked maybe half an hour ago about that statement of net position, that um, there, there is a unrestricted net position of $23 million. I believe that you were asking about that. So if you look at the statement of net position, if you compare that to the net, uh, net pension liability and the net OPEP liability, the two numbers together is about $33 million. So before 2015, those numbers wouldn't even be on your financial statements. But because of the recent implementation of certain accounting pronouncement, those very long-term liability got put into your financial statements. That for, um, I want to say about 75% of my clients, they all show a negative unrestricted net position because of that, um, the implementation of those two numbers. Um, so just keep that in mind that, um, because there is a annually, there's an actuarial required contribution to that the city will contribute to, to reduce those amounts. So there is a plan in place to reduce those two liabilities. But because of that implementation, it kind of brought the unrestricted net position into a negative number. Very helpful. Thank you, Catherine. You're welcome. All right. So, uh, yeah, Mayor Hoffman, I'm done, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, on the general fund revenues, expenses, and fund balances slide, I had a question about the 2020 other revenue. So on the revenues section and then um, under tw the 2019 was um, $1,092,407. And for 2020, it was $150,243. So what are, what are those other revenue? 
what account? Because that's almost a million dollars, and also correspondingly, almost, you know, corresponds to our negative, um, our our negative. Uh, where's where was it? Uh, the negative position in one of the other accounting lines, and now I can't. I now I can't find it. But um, what are what are the other? What are the what's the other revenue? Um, Catherine, are you able to tell us what's rolled up into this reporting unit? Okay, I'm looking at last year to see what that one million is. Is it the grant fund that we received from uh, um, Cow Recycling? Hmm. Um, give me if you give me a minute, I can pull it up. Thank you, Catherine. You're welcome. Yeah, it's a, it's the line on, of other revenues under general fund revenues and expenditures fund balance slide. I think it's the third from the last slide that you guys did. It's a contribution. Um, it looks like it's a, it's a last year. It was it says that it is a contribution to pension that you know. For, is it because I mean it looks like it's other sources that contribute um, contribute to general fund, maybe. I don't know. It's listed under revenue, so that's why I'm wondering what it is. Okay. That doesn't sound like to me revenue, but you guys are the experts, so I don't know. Net change of fund balance. I don't know. I don't know. That's that was my question. Like, so why did the general gov? Why did the general uh, gov jump by twenty five percent? Is that what you're asking, Mayor? The other revenue line changed. I'm just, yeah, I'm just looking at so under revenues, under revenue, right? Yes, yes. General fund revenues, expenditures, and fund balance, right? So that slide, which is the third, third from the last slide that we just looked at, yeah, yeah, that's it. So we look under revenues and other revenue all the way at the bottom. I'm just wondering what the other revenue was that we would lose a million dollars out of it. I mean, I, I'm assuming, I mean, I don't know. It, Yulia is in, is from fund 401 that got rolled into the general fund. If that helps. Yeah, I'm trying to open it. It looks like it is a one-time contribution. Um, you know what? That's okay. You guys don't have to answer on the dime. I just, it, it jumped out at me and it's better if you don't guess. So um what you you're you're perfectly welcome to research it and just we, we can definitely research and see exactly yeah. what the yeah yeah that's fine that's fine i mean from our from our planning and policy perspective like we have to know you know something that would would dip that much from one year to the next and how it affects our budget going forward for planning purposes and for allocation purposes and strategic planning purposes Right, and, and Mayor Hoffman, is it part of your question also why did the general government expenditure go up 25% from 2019 to 2020? Yeah, yeah, I mean, we definitely. Does anybody say that again? From 2019 to 2020, under expenditures, the general government line item 
jumps a million dollars, goes up 24.8%. Yeah, I think I spoke to that in the beginning that um, general government expenditures increased um, due to the use of consultants in the accounting department, uh, as well as the implementation of a new paychecks payroll software. So those were the two biggest activities we saw in the administrative department. And I believe there, are, there was some increase in non-governmental costs as well. So I'd be interested in a breakdown of that too. So in specifically how that increase, that million dollar increase, what each is attributable to. Right, because I don't think, Kristen, you're telling us that consultants are more expensive than employees or are they? Did we have a million dollars of consultants and how did that compare to the employees that we had? Uh, just speaking to the change, change in operations, I guess is, is all I was speaking to. Yulia, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I don't think we can certainly, I think it's best if we do additional breakdown of this cost because it's not really apple to apple comparison we are trying to do right now. So if you really want to drill down into the difference, you need to look at the budget and actuals and see what happened in the year. So we, uh, uh, and, and see what, the, what change it was and how the, the actuals compared to the budget. And some of the, uh, some of this will be explained this way and it was probably explained uh, during the budget process. So we just need to do a little bit more analysis here to give you an additional breakdown of what, what it is. Okay. Because right now you're looking at actuals to actuals comparison. You're not looking at what the policy level service changes were made uh, between the years. Okay, I'm not sure how that how that's going to be explained, but um, what you know the well, well, I guess what I'm trying to say, uh, you may make a decision during the council meeting or during the budget to allocate additional funds. And then the, for whatever reason, COVID is a good example, uh, the project was put on hold and uh, or we didn't get to this. So we had higher priorities and the expenses will not reflect that. And you will see this huge gap, even though well, the capital improvement project is a good example. So you may allocate the funds, but the project wouldn't even start until the following year. So that's why I'm saying it's important to, to do comparison between the actuals and what was originally uh, in the budget. So, there was a budget increase in general government to begin with it would explain right. the increase in actuals. And then, and then in addition to that, we would have these uh, sort of anomalies that occurred, which were additional costs related to uh, and COVID. Just off uh, the top of my head uh, right now, um, if you may remember, we, we've made some additional contribution to um, to the risk management funds in the in the last, uh, uh, I think, last fiscal year, well, the second year over the two-year cycle. You probably remember that we, we um, covered some of the negative fund balances in uh, risk management and uh, general liability and works compensation funds. So this money would go as a transfer. So that's probably a portion of it because it was, uh, uh, it was built in the budget at that time. 
So how are you but guys? Again, I'll give you a breakdown. It's uh, yeah. rather than us just <laughs> trying to dig our memory all the like what this number represents. We can give you just a specific breakdown. Yep. And same thing for Parks and Rec. I mean, I'm seeing 824,193. Yeah, the Parks and Rec uh, number was explained earlier. Uh, I mean, I believe before you joined, it's, it's just reclassification. Uh, the landscape division used to be classified in in public works and uh, moved to parks and recreation that year. Okay. And were these, sorry, but were these, this was landscaping for the three, the three new parks? Was this for Dumpy? No, no, no. It's a landscape function of the city. So we used to record it in public works department, and uh, now it's being recorded in parks and recreation department. Okay. Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. Sorry they missed that part. Um, That's okay. If you compare that, though, to... So you look up at public works. I see it. I see the same number though from public works from year to year, almost the same number from year to year. I don't see a corresponding, I don't see a corresponding dip in public works. Is that, is that because public works was still, there was, there was additional activity in public works? Okay. From, I mean, wouldn't you expect a, a corresponding drop though in public works in their annual budget? Or did they have extra work that they were doing in public works that accounted for yeah, I think we, we just need to give you a little bit more uh, breakdown on this uh, on this table and explain the, the variance. Okay. okay, especially the outlier numbers, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'd say for all the expenditures, I know we asked for this earlier, all the expenditures, a drill down on all of them would be really insightful um, for us. And, and Yulia, the, this fact that the landscaping went from public works to parks. Does that mean that that money was in the parks budget or was it somehow earmarked for landscaping specifically? Uh, so I need to go back and look. I, I believe the change, yeah, we need to go back and look at, it, it sounds like we, it was done mid year um yeah let me let me go and double check how how it was budgeted originally did you also talk about before i got on i'm sorry about the line of the variance of and the fund balance so you went 253 additional positive and fund balance from 2019 to 2020 I'm looking at assigned assigned fund balance at the end of the year. Oh, yes, yes we did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That's fine. I'll, I'll go back and look at it then. Thank you. Okay. I don't think I have it for I don't have any further questions so far, but I did just request a hard copy of the capper. <laughs> Maybe some additional questions. Mayor Hoffman, we did not take public comment um, on this item. Okay. Well, we, we are not uh, done with the item yet. If you, because we also have presentation from Catherine on the audit piece of it. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead, Catherine. Well, uh, oh, thank you. Um, 
Christian, would you mind going back to that slide for the fund balance? I just want to point out that we made a uh, um, last minute change yesterday for uh, Yulia. Remember that we we had a discussion because um, I think when this slide was prepared that part of the fund balance, the budget, um, what's that called? You know, the 5% was in assigned and the 10% were in unassigned. Let me see what is exactly called. So, um, so um, yesterday we made a correction for the general fund. Um, the assigned, uh, we moved the emergency shortfalls reserve that is currently on this slide that um, is on the screen is under unassigned. So that was um, about $1.6 million. We moved it into assigned so that the, both the budget stabilization reserve and the emergency shortfall reserve will be in the same category. The difference between assigned and unassigned is that um, whoever is um, designated by the city council can make um, decisions to assign fund balance for uh, certain purposes. So in this case that um, uh, the finance director decided that, you know, has assigned these um, based on policy set by the council has assigned 5% of um, the an amount equivalent to 5% of your general fund expenditure to be budget stabilization reserve and 10% um, as the emergency shortfall reserves. So if you look at the revised footnotes, uh, I'm sorry, the revised CAFR on note six, that table has the updated information that um, that is more current than this slide. I sorry. just want to point that out. You said notes, that's a note what? Note six. Note six. And who's our, who is the, who is the person assigned right now to make those decisions? And at... No, no, no. The council would be making those decisions. What we did, we just reconciled the council's policy, what you set aside previously. And you set aside 15, oh, I mean, a total 15% of uh, general fund reserves. But we are just making this correction in the coffer because the coffer was only captured portion of it and not the full uh, full policy allocation you may remember from some of the budget slides that we had before you during the budget process we always when we present the fund balance general fund balance we also have this five percent and ten percent designation but the coffer was only capturing one so, so just, again, is that then, is that then the difference between the 2019 and 2020 assigned and unassigned um, lines? Yes, it's uh, it's assigned. You can see the assigned uh, portion jump from uh, yes. 700,000 to 2.5 million. Yeah, that's exactly the difference. And at the same time, you can see corresponding decrease in unassigned. And so that was a that was a decision to move that money from unassigned to assigned to bring it in alignment with 15% consul's policy. Yeah, for and that was for which for that, that was for stabilization or emergency funds? It, it's two. That's 5% and 10% policy designation. Okay. For but budget shortfall and budget and stabilization, yeah, emergency stabilization. Okay. But I'm asking which one's which. I just don't. Stabilization okay. is 10% and emergency is 5% or is it opposite? The other way around. Yeah. The 5% is budget stabilization policy, 10% is a shortfall policy. Okay. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Thanks for the explanation. I appreciate that. Okay. So, Julia, should I show my slides? Yeah. Then? yeah oh, okay. Let's 
All right. Okay, can you see the screen? Nope. Not yet. Still no? Still no. Okay, all right, let's redo this. Oh, I have to hit share. That's the problem. <laughs> you know. You think when you have three screens, you're like really high tech, right? That is not true. Okay, so um, I'm the audit engagement partner uh, for the yeah, fiscal You're showing your notes. I don't know if it's oh, there or not. So maybe move it to different screen. <laughs> Does it work? Like if I do this? Yeah, when you hit share, you have to select screen two. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to put it in here. Okay, let's do this again. Okay, does it work? Yes? Yep. Okay, perfect. So, um, okay, so I'm here to present the audit results for um, fiscal year 20 audit. Then, uh, some background information. We are a independent um, CPA firm. So we have no other relationship with the city except for you know coming in to look at uh, the financial reports pre pre uh, prepared by your staff. Timeline for last year, there are two phases of the audit. So what we call the first phase is the interim of the audit. What we did then was to uh, come in to look at the system that the city has and procedures and policies that to see um, if those can allow the city to pre, um, present accurate financial data. So how we do that is that we, um, through interview of uh, your staff, verification of the records, and then an understanding of uh, your internal control environment, and also selecting samples to test for transaction. Through these activities, we um, look at the essentially the internal controls of your, um, of the, your environment. And then at the second phase of the audit um, in October last year, we came back and, well, I guess we didn't go anywhere because, you know, it's COVID. So we, we uh, looked at the financial statements that was uh, prepared by, um, by the consultant and also your department uh, to see if they are accurately um, presented. So what that, how we did that was that we, um, we used third-party confirmation. We trace a lot of the data to um, statements and we do testing. Um, so at the end, we want to see if the data presented on the CAFR, if they are accurate. 
So what makes last year so challenging is because of the um, COVID uh, working environment. We did our entire audit remotely. So that put a lot of um, workload onto the, the city staff and also the consultant because traditionally when we would come out to the city hall, um, a lot of things that we just look at your original record, but because of that remote environment, um, your consultant and also your, your staff um, took on the responsibility of scanning hundreds of documents to us. So last year's, um, last year's audit was very challenging. And I want to say actually about 70% of my clients ended up issuing the financial statements after December 31st because of the challenge of the remote um, work environment. The standards that we follow during the audit, first of all, we have the auditing standards generally accepted in the United States. Um, for all auditors that audit US entities, we follow that particular um, audit standard. Uh, we also follow the government auditing standards. The difference between the two is that the government auditing standards have a, a few more requirements. So there are more things that we need to look at. Um, and so um, basically it is on top of the um, generally accepted um, auditing standards. And the result of that, uh, the audit is that the, the city receives a clean opinion. Um, technically, we call that the unmodified opinion. Um, what that means is that looking at the financial data presented on your CAFR, we feel that materially those um, data is correct. Um, in conjunction with the audit, that we are also issued a well, we haven't issued it yet. We we also are, are submitting to you today a draft of the memorandum on internal control and required communications. Um, that document is uh, purely prepared by the auditor. Um, to you. So it's a direct communication between us that um, um, the aim of it is to provide um, any information that we would like to bring to your attention. Two types of um, items that we usually put it on the uh, memorandum on internal control and required communications. They are the control deficiencies we noted during the audit and also anything else, other matters that we would like to bring to your attention. There are uh, two types of control, uh, control deficiencies. They are material weakness and significant deficiency. Now the definition of a control deficiency, what that means is that during the, the course of the audit, we look at the design or the operation of a particular control. So let's say um, bank reconciliation, that will be an example of this, you know, is a, a, a control. And then, um, we look at it and then we go, okay, can management or your employees in the normal course of performing their assigned duties, would they be able to prevent, detect, or correct misstatements on the financial statements on a timely manner? So it's a lot going on. So there is a, the, um, so first of all, we want to make sure that they can detect it and, or they can prevent it. And then also they can, they correct it in a, in a timely manner. So if we feel that they, um, there is deficiency there and that deficiency may cause, may cause a 
um, material misstatement on the financial statement. Not that it had caused it, but it's just the design or the operation may allow that to happen. We call that a material weakness. Any other control deficiencies that we would like to bring to your attention that is called a significant deficiency. In fiscal year 1920 audit, we have found um, many areas that had uh, delayed um, in the process of, uh, for example, journal entries, cash receipts, and cash disbursement. And the reason for all those delays is because of, I think Yule has already mentioned it, it, it was like a perfect storm. There were, um, looking back, we, we think there are like five different areas that have affected the, um, the department. Um, first two staff of your long-term staff retired in December 20, 2019. And during um, the spring, I want to say, and you know, the, the second half of the fiscal year, there were uh, temporary staff that rotated in and out of the, the department. And then the senior accountants departed in June of 20. And also there's COVID-19 that has created a lot of the financial um, worries and also um, restriction on work environment for uh, the city. And finally, the uh, second half of the year usually, you know, is everybody's budget season. So there is increase in workload. Because of all those, um, we saw that when we came to look at the policies and procedures, we, we what we found is um, it's not a in compliance issue. It's just a lot of the work were um, delayed in being processed and together it created one material weakness because we did not feel that um, that for that environment the um, if there are any misstatements it could have been caught in a timely manner. Now having said that that doesn't mean that the city has not taken steps to um, correct it yet. As an auditor I am obligated to report any control deficiencies, even if they have already been fixed, so that you can um, be aware of it. Um, in addition, I, um, I understand that um, because of this material weakness, during the final phase of the audit, we did take steps to verify um, the transactions. So, so what I'm trying to say is, we still feel that the numbers are accurate, we feel that the finance department has taken step in correcting this um, control deficiency, but we, it is my obligation to bring it to your attention so you know what has happened during the year. Do you have any questions on this? No, okay. Hey, so, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have some questions. I need to, I need to actually look at the report though. Um, you know, and see, especially the material weaknesses. And, and um, I guess I have a question for Kristen too. Is this, are these, um, is there a method for these being called out in the CAFR as well? Is this addressed in the CAFR or irregularities and whatever was, you know, whatever the, the consequences were or whatever the conclusions were, is that somewhere noted in the CAFR? I think that's what Catherine was explaining, the supplementary report that you'll receive, the Memorandum of Internal Controls, um, but it's not a part of, of the CAFR, no ma'am. 
But traditionally, what we do once the memorandum of internal control is issued, we share the copy of it with all council members, and I've done it in the past. So you, you will have a final report with the management response to it. So when do we expect to get the memorandum of internal controls? Catherine? Oh, um, I'm sorry. I thought I thought I have provided a draft. Right. To... So, so what usually happens, we will, what you're looking at right now is a draft CAFRA report. Once we issue the final CAFRA report, then the next step, uh, management will respond to the internal control weakness. And once it's done and compiled, we're talking about logistical details. We'll just give you the, the final copy. Mm -hmm. But the, the findings has been discussed right now, so there will be no additional. That's why we invited Catherine, so you can ask questions and see <laughs> information firsthand. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Mayor. I didn't realize um, you don't have a draft. I can get into the details of it if you like. Um, yes, and the next question is, when do we expect to have it the report, the memorandum of internal controls? Understand it's a process, but when can we expect to have it? So, um, <laughs> do you okay. got it? There's a timeline, though. We, we're going to finalize a CAFR, and then there's going to be um, a memorandum of internal controls. When can we expect to have that? And that, is that done by Kristen, or is that done by Catherine, or who's that done by? No. Uh, so that would be the management response will be drafted by me uh, with Marsha's input. And uh, uh, as soon as we provide it to Catherine, uh, then I don't know, Catherine, how much time do you need once we, you, you get this information from us? Um, we can issue it pretty quickly because I already have gone, this has already gone through our second um, the quality control review. Okay. So at this point, we're just waiting for the uh, management response. Okay, so let's go back to the original question. What is the estimate on when we can get the memorandum of internal controls? Understood that Yulia and Marsha have to do a response. Based on what you guys have seen, how long is it going to take to do the response? Right, that's to Yulia and Marsha. Yeah, it, it, we, we can do it this week. It's, we, we've been just really, really swamped getting this report to you. <laughs> so we, we have this discussion. The next step, we will provide the response. So you'll get the you'll get the management response, or at least your estimate is you're gonna get the management response to Catherine this week? In other words, this week by tomorrow or next week? Yeah, we can do it this week. So this week by tomorrow, and then Catherine, will it be available and ready to go by our city council meeting on Tuesday night? To be looked at in conjunction with, because uh, we're trying to put all the finance stuff into one meeting, um, you know, for the city council, because then we're going to move pretty quickly into, you know, what our strategic plan and budget is going to be for next year. So. Yeah, we can do that. Okay, great. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's okay. Okay, so, okay, so then, um, in what we also did was in this report, we also followed up on last year's um, or items that noted on your last year's memorandum on internal controls and required communications. Now, you notice that both items had to do with timely completion and submission of um, um, reports. And uh, because of the condition noted during the year, um, finance has not implemented those uh, items yet. 
um, and then also included in the report are some of the um, uh, upcoming accounting pronouncement. I just want to kind of highlight two of them that, um, actually, you know, one has to do with fiduciary activities that will um, that will be implemented in fiscal year 21. And during the time, I'm sure that Kristen, you know, and Yulia will be looking at, you know, the different types of activities that uh, um, that take place in the city to determine if there are any that needs to be reported under the new accounting pronouncement. Then the year after, oh, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be 2021 and 2122. There's a typo here on my slide. Um, there is going to be um, the leases. So um, Christian had mentioned earlier, maybe there's an offsetting, um, you know, when, when you're looking at the, uh, the, the Thailand funds, I think, right? Is it Christian? So the ga gas fee 87 could um, affect it because when it's implemented, any leases that the, any commitment of a lease, maybe is a, a, you are the lessee or the lessor, uh, the city will have to look at it to see if there is a uh, liability or assets to be booked in the financial statements. So Catherine, just a real quick question. Yeah, on the leases on the prior slide. So mm -hmm. uh, staff recently supplied the council with a full list of leases and lease terms. Um, do you have a copy of that? And is that something that we would want to have you review for your audit process. I, I guess I'm trying to understand what this entails, what the scope is, um, how we could leverage or utilize this to inform our review of the leases as well. Um, so the, I think it's probably something that um, Kristen will do because we need to audit the numbers. We cannot also, you know, review um, the activities and make recommendations. But um, we will ask for a uh, a list of it when we when we conduct our audit. Then maybe Kristen can speak to that. Yes. Yeah, so what I would I would work closely okay. with the direction of uh, the city, the admin. Uh, I'm sorry, the assistant city manager, Yulia Carter, in direction on um, how to gather this information. So um, there would have to be a, a planning process put in place. Um, um, and uh, gathering of resources, we'd have to, you know, really build like a um, like a project team. Uh, there's a lot of hard copies of leases and things that that aren't being tracked. You know, traditionally we didn't track certain types of leases that are not on the financial statement. So the purpose of this GASB 87 is to start reporting some uh, elements related to leases that never were reported before. So because of that, uh, you know, our accounting requirements sort of implement this control, if you will, that if we have to report it, well, then we're going to track it, right? So if something's not being reported, we're typically just putting it in a filing cabinet somewhere. And so we got to go track this stuff down. It's going to be labor intensive. It's going to require us putting together um, like a, pro a project team and putting a plan in place. So um, it's a discussion that we uh, will start having very soon. Uh, a good thing is that that Sausalito is, is a relatively small organization, and I think that we'll be able to get our hands around it. Um, and, and something figured out rel relatively soon. Do you have a sense, Kristen, of the information that you would require? Because um, again, what, what we do know we have is a list of all of the leases, the terms, um, the scope. Uh, I don't know, you know how we track that internally from an accounting perspective. 
but what beyond that do you just generally speaking do you require to conduct that analysis yeah so you know once you receive the lease it's going to require a lot of examining the lease you know some of the things that weren't implemented in, included in leases were are, are certain terms that we're going to be required to use to make make these financial projections if you will on how to value how much the lease is um so certain things like an implicit rate so like we have a copier lease where we're given you know a one-year lease to rent a copier and for x amount of dollars and that's it we, you know we have to then derive an implied rate and kind of back into the terms and so it's not necessarily that we almost don't know what we don't know until we get our hands on those leases type thing so it's going to be an evolving process um like i said so late very labor intensive Sorry, and I'm assuming you meant real property leases. I think you're saying any type of, of lease. Any type of lease. Uh, yeah, typically we only put on leases that were long-term in nature. Uh, so capital leases for actual property or like, um, you know, lease liabilities that you're used to seeing. But now we're putting on other other types of arrangements as well. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So guys, we um, we probably need to move along. We. I think Marsha's got a hard stop at noon and I've got a problem at noon um, as, as well because we still have another um, agenda item to get through. So uh, let me, we need to take public comment too <laughs> on this. So this is, I think this is, uh, is, it, is it okay if we wrap up this item and then we'll, we'll follow up um, if we need to via email or additional questions. So um, let's see. Okay, so we just got through business item, business item C21. Uh, okay, so we have two, actually. We have financial reports, right, for the second quarter and treasury report, and then we also have pension and OPEB long-term obligations. So in light of that and our, our timing, um, how do we, any thoughts on how we want to do this? Do we want to just, do we want to skip over the, we need to take public comment, but I'm going to take public comment on all three items at the end. Um, and so do we need to skip over C2 and just accept the report and then move straight into pension OPEB or what, what do you guys think we should? I, I think maybe we should um, put pension OPEB on the next uh, finance committee agenda because uh, for March 9th council meeting, I believe um, C1 and C2 are both on the agenda. So we should at least okay. take that. Right. Yeah, you have financial uh, report, treasurer's report, and CAFR uh, on the agenda for Tuesday. So if you can at least touch them. Sure. Yeah, okay, we're going to do that. We're going to move pension and OPEB long-term obligations to the top of our agenda for the next finance committee meeting. Um, and then we're going to take public comments. So um, go ahead and, uh, Yulia, go ahead and launch into item C2. And if you could keep it to 10 minutes or seven minutes. Right, so, so I actually, I... <laughs> I may suggest to skip the introduction because as we were discussing Kafra, there were already a number of questions asked uh, related to the treasury report. So maybe for that report, we can just open it to discussion straight. You can see that the format of the report is exactly the same format that you, you used to see by now at the council level. So if you have any questions, we just go straight there. Why don't you give us a, can you just give us a summary? Do you have any slides that you can put up for people that are on the, uh, no, there is no slide, but unless you want me to try to pull it up from the web, but it might take a while, so. 
Now, so let's just the, the, the report represents the series cash position at the quarter and uh, the, the quarter that ended uh, December 2020. And you can see it in the first attachment. I mean, if you right after the stuff uh, memo, you can see the kind of portfolio summary of the report. Why don't you just read off and give us a summary? I mean, you can just read it straight off from the tables in that. Yeah, Huli, if you could give uh, just a brief two sentence, a high level view on what, what is the position? What, how would you summarize yeah. your report and your work? For those that don't have access to Absolutely. the all the graphics. Okay, so the as of December 31st of 2020, the city portfolio contains sufficient liquidity to meet at least six uh, next six months uh, expected expenditures for the city. And you can see on the first attachment to the report, the city's cash and investment portfolio at fair market value was 26,230,000. Um, about 7.5 million of this was placed in the uh, state controller's uh, local agency investment fund, which is LEAF, and uh, about 9.1 million placed uh, with uh, BNY, and um, 5.4 million in Bank of Marine Operations account. Oh, and 4.1 million, sorry, in Pars Trust. Okay. So what I'm looking at is the under the general fund on the page one of the report um, is that general fund revenues revenues as compared to last year, right? So 2019 fiscal year and so far, or sorry, quarter two. So if you look at the same numbers from last year, quarter two. Are we switching to financial report right now? Because the first item is a treasury report. I'm sorry, you're right, you're right. Pardon me. Go ahead. Uh, well, that completes my report so you can okay. see the total cash and investment portfolio at the book value of 26.2 million. And there was some questions asked by uh, Vice Mayor earlier about COP funds so we already discussed it as part of previous agenda uh, item. We also have talked in, in prior meetings Julia about the cash management the cash debt management and I think that the mayor had actually asked for a specific report outlining uh, our cash and debt management strategy. Um, that was at the last meeting. I don't know if anybody recalls that. I could pull my notes. I think that's sort of the missing piece of understanding this. What is our, our strategy around both cash and debt management? Well, Leah, do you have that requested item or, or what is your proposal here? What is your plan with addressing the question? Well, we can certainly put it on the next uh, finance, uh, finance committee meeting agenda and bring you the copy of the city's investment policy. And uh, uh, one recommendation that uh, was kind of made as, uh, as part of the CAFRA um, this year, and you will see it in response to the management, uh, management response to the uh, memorandum of internal control. We, we already implemented the new change in the last year. We want to start bringing you investment policy every year with the budget. So that wasn't the case in the past. We did it last time when we uh, made the tweak and recommendation from the uh, May's team to uh, change the requirement. And uh, there was one other requirement, the outdated requirement that needs to be fixed as well. So if we have this practice to for the city council to review the policy every year, A, it will satisfy the government for the requirement, and B, it will make you a chance to discuss it and make any 
additional recommendations uh, um, for the for the management uh, well, management portion of the fund. And of course, we can have additional discussions at the finance committee meeting in between. Well, if I could just clarify that from the last meeting, um, both Jill and Marcia had requests. So Jill's request, um, we talked a lot about debt management, and we made it clear we wanted debt and cash management. And then Marcia, you had proposed, and we agreed uh, to have a master calendar for finance. Um, those were the two follow-ups on this particular topic. Right. At the last meeting, we discussed uh, having a policy, debt management policy, internal policy for, for the debt management funds, which we we can definitely put on our uh, to-do list for the year once we're done with the immediate uh, needs of financial statements and uh, and budget. So what I hear you saying is you're 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 continuing to work on the requirements for uh, prior or previous year requirements or, or let me see uh, how these items have been handled in previous years in this organization, but the. Um, and you're bringing that forward with the financial report and the treasury report. Um, but the items that were requested, debt and cash management policies and master calendar are on still on the list of items that you need to get to. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm saying we can definitely discuss it further, but from what I hear from the finance committee, direction from the committee to work on the policy itself. So we need a little bit of time to develop the debt management and cash management policy that we can bring to the finance committee for review before it goes to council. Okay, I think we're saying the same thing. All right, mm -hmm. so it's going to be on a future finance committee agenda as your staff time allows based on the other priorities such as budget that you're working on. Right. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, any questions on this, on this item from the city council? from Janelle or anybody else. Okay, if not, then let's move on to the next one, which is the, which is the financial, right, report. Or was that, am I getting this confused? Was that the treasurer's yeah, report? Yeah, financial report. Yeah, that's the next item. Okay, thanks. So for the financial report, again, we implemented this practice uh, last fiscal year, and uh, uh, I find this extremely helpful to look into city financials at the quarterly uh, basis and uh, so for Tuesday meeting you will see the quarter two financial report and again keep in mind that we we, we did uh, all of the financial reports in pretty much one kind of parallel tasks as we are closing the coffre we, we also closing the quarter two this fiscal year so it's again kudos to, to stop uh, for taking on the, these challenges uh, at once, but as you can see uh, in general funds, so report uh, presents the general fund position as of December 2020, and just at the high light level, we are about 53% uh, in expenditures and about 56% in revenues. So that's very normal performance and very well something that we would really want to see at the end of the second quarter, and. Uh, Again, I'm pleased to report that we generally the, the general fund budget is on target. And uh, the other piece I want to highlight that we will be well, we also uh, working on the mid-year budget review. So the data that is presented in the quarter two report is being used for the more in-depth analysis that you will see as part of the mid-year budget. And that's at that point we will bring you the projections for the rest of the year, projected fund balances, and that's going to be our starting point for the for the budget discussion. 
And according to the budget calendar, they'll see that before the council at what point, what date? Well, I believe we have it uh, for the second, for the next meeting for the council. Right, March 23rd is my understanding. Okay, I just wanted to put it in context. So I'll just do a little bit of uh, kind of <laughs> backstory. So the all departments already working on uh, on the mid year. So we the, the work is happening throughout the organization. So something else to think about um, at the end of the last meeting, the mayor asked me to put together an ad hoc committee on benchmarking, which we have put together. And uh, that was uh, designed to help support staff in their work. And I see here on page two of the report that says, you know, expenditures of most municipalities typically exceed revenue during the first half of any given fiscal year. Um, that's one of those types of statements that I think will make it really helpful for us in the benchmarking exercise. So um, I wanted you to know that that ad hoc committee uh, is comprised of four people. We do have that ready to go. We have identified six communities that we will uh, conduct comparisons on. It will include topography, geography, and per capita to make sure we have apples to apples on the different uh, line items. Um, we, we will need your help, Marsha, in facilitating some conversations with uh, neighboring municipalities. Um, so we can talk about that offline, but if there's other things that you can think of that will help uh, staff in, in serving the council, please let me know and we can assign the, the committee. Okay. okay, any questions based on that, based on ad hoc help? <laughs> no? Okay. All right. Um, okay, are we ready to open it up for public comment? Okay, and Marsha understood that you may have to drop off, so. I do, and I want you to make sure you set next meeting. Okay, very good. Could we, in fact, could we do that first while I'm here? Yep. And then take public comment. I'm sorry to reorder your meeting. Sorry, yeah, hang on guys, we're gonna get to you. I want you guys at one talk. Um, yeah, do we wanna do it in two weeks or we wanna do it? Yeah, let's do it in two weeks. Cause I think once we hear from the council, um, We'll probably have feedback and then it'll be good to communicate around that feedback. Let's start with Marsha's calendar. Well, let's start with mine because I have a <laughs> because I have a real challenge the week of the 15th. So um, I can either do it next week on Thursday, but that week of the 15th is is very challenging. And then the week, but the week after that, but that's another city council meeting. So I'm wondering if we want to do it even though it's going to be early, it's going to be right after our last, but do we want to do it next Thursday? I don't know that we'll have that. That, that means the information would have to go out one, two, three business, four, day, four business days from today. And I don't know that we'll have enough information. Um, we'll have what's left over from today's agenda, but I don't know that we'll have enough more information to constitute a meeting in four days. I think I could do it on Friday the, the 19th, but that's also, that's really close to city council meeting. Works for me, up to you guys. I think it'd be good to get it in that week if you can make it. Yeah, it, that um, the agenda will be out hopefully and published by that point. So I think we've missed the meeting of the 23rd if we um, wanna go in then that far into the week of the 22nd to meet. So meet on the, tw the 25th. Well, well think, if we meet on the 19th and we miss the city council meeting on the 23rd, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but hopefully the agenda will, if not already be out, be close to out at yeah, that point. I agree. Okay, then let's just do, um, 
let me think about this. You want to meet the week like the 22nd or, or 24th? Um, getting things ready ahead of time for the subsequent meetings. What do we have on the 23rd? What, what finance subject were you trying to get on there? Mid-year budget review. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I tell you what, since Mar Marcia, you need to go because it's noon. Yep. Then why don't we circle back? I'll look at my calendar and try to figure out. I'll, I'll work with Janelle. But I know it needs to be the three of us, right? Yes. So yeah, I'm pretty much wide open. I'm just trying to work with you and what, what the group can do. Okay. Because right. I'm looking at probably Wednesday the 17th or Tuesday the 16th. The 18th, I'm definitely out or definitely not available. Whatever's easier for you, you tell me. Let's, how about, um, let's shoot for the 17th at St. Patrick's Day. Yep. But shoot for the 17th um, at nine, is that? I have a standing staff meeting, so that would involve redoing everybody in City Hall. I yeah. can. Okay, I gotcha. Let's do, how about one, how long's your staff meeting? Oh, till 11. Okay, so. 11. I apologize. As soon as I say it at your leisure, then I, what I try and avoid is rescheduling meetings involving like nine people. Right. No, I agree. Um, Council is a priority and I try and keep that with one exception. How early, how early can you go on Tuesday the 16th? Um, I have that we have a, we, all of us have a follow-up meeting, um, possibly BCDC at eight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, then let's just go back to the 17th and do it at 11. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Marcia. Okay. Now we are going to take public comment. <laughs> so I see one one person's hand up, John Duray. And John has been unmuted. Hello. Uh, thank you for taking my comment. Um, I had a question or a comment about uh, property tax. Um, I went to the county website, I've done this several times, where you can look at the property tax allocation for each city in uh, Marin County. If I said the, the city website, I meant the county website. Um, and I noticed uh, that Sausalito gets 11.5% of the property tax collected, of the 1% property tax collected. Um, which I thought was interesting. And I compared it to some of the other, not all of them, but some of the other ones. Mill Valley gets 25.8%, Larkspur 21.7%, Belvedere 20.7%. So I just found that to be interesting. I know there's a, quite a calculation that goes into that. And um, I guess my comment is um, I, I would hope that you know, the city reviews the inputs to whatever that calculation that's done by the county um, to make sure that that's accurate because it does seem to be quite a disparity between some of these other cities. 
Also, I noticed that there is a line item for Sausalito that's not in Mill Valley for fire district, 9.9% of our property tax goes to the fire district. Um, the other interesting thing I saw was of the property tax collected, 56.3% goes to uh, the different educational buckets, high school, elementary, College of Marin, and then some other related ones. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. But I guess my overall point is, is somebody watching that number and that calculation? Um, and uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Thanks. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just make a general comment, not necessarily with regard to, to John's uh, comment, but but that's why you're seeing so many questions about Southern Marin Fire District from from the committee, from the finance um, committee members. So thank you for bringing that up, though, um, and highlighting that for us. Okay, I don't see any other uh, hands raised, um, and this we've reached the end of our agenda, so I'm going to adjourn the meeting. Thank you. Thanks for everybody. Thanks for everybody for coming. Catherine, Kristen, thank you. Uh, Charlie, sorry we didn't get to you. And Yulia, thank you as always. Appreciate everybody. Bye, Serge. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.